Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And good morning. Hope you're well on this Wednesday. It's JP again in for Patricia right through until 1. Bernie taking your comments on 0818-103-103. And you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 if there's something you want to raise on the show this morning. Or indeed comment on what we're discussing because coming up between now and 1, uh, shortly we'll be hearing how research from the CSO is showing how single parents are struggling to buy new clothes or even shoes for their child or children. This is comparing uh, to two parents families and the reality of the situation for many and what many families face now across Ireland will be joined very shortly by Karen Kiernan of One Family. Also, should face masks be introduced to the public transport network ahead of the winter or indeed introduced to public places? Mixed views always on this. Uh, they're expecting high levels of flu and maybe COVID again uh, or more so COVID again this winter across the country. So your views are welcome on this. Do you think it's time to move on or should we uh, have a look at re- introducing face masks at the moment. Uh, they're just talking about public transport. Uh, we'll have a report on this and your views are welcome. Uh, why one property website is asking people who have spare rooms to consider renting out one of them as now healthcare workers are finding it tough to get accommodation in Cork. We heard the plight of students in August and last month in September. Now, uh, those who are moving to Cork to work in the likes of the Mercy or CUH are finding it tough to get accommodation. And we're also going to hear why UCC and the Cork Parkinson's Association are working together to research if there is any link between pesticides and Parkinson's. We'll talk to Team Hope ahead of this year's shoebox appeal and after 12.30, Peter Dodol will join us answering your gardening questions. So that and more to come between now and one o'clock. As always, your views are welcome on the phone 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But the Republic of Ireland's women's team uh, they have qualified for the World Cup finals for the first time in their history. They beat Scotland 1-0 in their playoff at Hampden Park last night and our soccer correspondent Trevor Walsh joins me. Good morning to you Trevor. Morning JP. Now the Jack Charlton era it all started with a similar win over Scotland in Hampden Park which led them to Euro 88 and many say there's a feeling quite similar now when it comes to Vera Paul's side. Yeah, definitely. And just feel, uh, JP, that the whole country will really get behind them now, you know. Um, I mean, you know, I remember that well, the match we're talking about. Mark Lawrence scored the winner at Hamden against Scotland and that helped us qualify for our first major world finals, at least uh, the uh, the men's team for our first major finals. That was Germany, obviously, in 1988. 
and we know what happened over there, beating England and Stuttgart and playing uh, against Holland and Russia as well. But uh, that was the start of it all, and this is the start now for this uh, Irish women's team. I mean, qualifying for first ever major tournament is, is fantastic. It was very hard fought win in Glasgow last night, but you could see JP after the ecstasy, the elation, the emotion at the final whistle was fair for to see. And uh, as they apostle itself to the Irish manager, this is a life changing moment for those girls. You know, after so many net misses uh, to Ireland for Ireland to get over the line last night, it was absolutely brilliant to see. Yeah, and of course it was a game that towards the last 18 minutes is where the Irish goal came from. That pass from Denise O'Sullivan, a court girl, of course, to the Donegal native Amber Barish, scoring the winning goal. And then she dedicating that goal uh, to the victims of that awful tragedy, Trevor, last Friday in Krishla. Yeah, it was, um, it was amazing, actually. It's, it's like uh, in the song, JP, some things are meant to be. Um, and uh, Amber Barrett, I mean, uh, it, it was a, a classic kind of counter-attack goal. She was on as a substitute, obviously, uh, and a breakaway goal, real soccer punch, but fabulous finish uh, by uh, the Donegal girl. Now, she said to um, to Vera Paul, apparently, get me on and I'll get you the winner. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a poignant celebration as well from, uh, from Amber. Just remember those lost the three slots, as, as you mentioned, the tragedy there. She said uh, to them, you know, get me on and, and, and to score the winner is unbelievable. I mean, a record uh, crowd as well at Hamden, over 10,000 for a women's international. And when you look at it as well, JP, on the Donegal um, side of things, two defining moments in Irish uh, men's and women's international football have involved Donegal people, Patty Bonner and now Amber Barrett. Yeah, so the, uh, a big soccer following from Donegal, but also talent coming out of Donegal, as you mentioned there, Trevor. Uh, and the goalkeeper, Courtney Brosnan, and I mean, earlier on in the game, uh, saved the first half penalty uh, that came from Caroline Weir. So overall, a very strong team going into the World Cup. Uh, and a number of teams have qualified from Europe, and that shows the strength, I suppose, of women's soccer right across uh, the continent. Uh, but we'll have to wait now, won't we, uh, for another week or so, uh, as a number of high-profile teams are going through to at the World Cup, we may see a lot of tough challenges ahead for Ireland. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll be, we'll be down the list, obviously, at four rankings. Um, women's soccer has really come on leaps and bounds over the last 10 years. I mean, the standard that we saw at the Euros, winning the Euros, the standard is very high now. And uh, But this is a, a talented Irish squad, as we saw, they showed a lot of character last night. They came through a tough campaign as well, uh, GP, that will stop them. And, uh, you know, the players back from injury as well last night. Uh, as you mentioned, the draw in a couple of weeks, uh, the World Cup will be in Australia and New Zealand, um, you know, and the whole country are going to get behind them. And you must remember as well, JP, only a number of years ago, you, you remember that uh, this uh, Irish squad had to, to make a stand when they didn't even get tracksuits for the association. When they took a stand, it just shows how far they've come and uh, to come through that tough group and qualify for the World Cup. It's really, truly remarkable, it's not yeah, the fact that they had to go public and uh, a campaign, as you mentioned, for tracksuits, but even for just simple gear and resources that they were not given, they got those resources in the end. Then they got sponsorship at Sky is at the moment sponsoring them. So all of that has come together to lead them to this way. And I suppose, Trevor, it shows once you invest in a team uh, mm. who are confident about themselves, who said we will win if we get the resources, and they have proved that. Yeah, I as well with the catchphrase, catchphrase with this Irish team is is uh, we believe, you know, believe. And uh, they certainly believe last night got the job done. And I think it's, um, you know, we need this boost as well. You know, uh, soccer in this country, as you know, the men's team, JP, you know, 
we haven't qualified for major finals. Um, you know, um, well, 2016 was the last, time, but you know we, we we struggled of late in the Nations League campaign. We haven't been getting the results, and uh, you know we'll give the country a big boost for soccer again. I think, and uh, there was some, there was a lovely moment as well last night um, with Vera Paul, the, man, the manager. She was really emotional afterwards. Um, she was uh, she was in tears. You know what it meant to her and what meant, what she's been through and what it meant to this Irish team and the character of the team. And she presented uh, Cox O'Donoghue with um, with a jersey afterwards. And it was a very very emotional moment, you know. And I think it well it was appropriate that Ireland wore the orange gear last night and uh, Vera Paul being from Holland. Uh, it was uh, it was like it was all meant to be. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. It was seemingly all meant to be, and she is uh, very supportive of the Irish people who have stood by her over the last number of years, and that has uh, paid off now uh, for the moment. Trevor, thanks for joining us, and I'm sure we'll be talking again when we uh, know who Ireland could face in those draws for the World Cup. For the moment, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, take care that is our soccer correspondent Trevor Welch and by the way Trevor is back on Saturday uh, with Premier League Live it's on c103.ie from midday powered by Talk Sport and he'll bring you live coverage of Leicester taking on Crystal Palace at 12.30 Wolves and Nottingham Forest at 3 and Spurs taking on Everton at 5.30 their Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman your home of the big screen and you can tune in Saturdays to Trevor from midday on the C103 app or indeed just go to c103. I.E. And speaking there of the Ireland manager, Vera Poe, she did speak earlier this morning to our Dublin studios uh, on what happened last night when it came to the celebrations and what's ahead for them. Here's what she told them. Well, I went back from the party at 4.40. had two hours of sleep okay. because the press was early. <laughs> and uh, it was absolutely amazing. The hotel was waiting for us with balloons and champagne and we just passed the hotel because they brought us to a special place where together we have celebrated it. And when we came in the hotel, the hotel was there for us again. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, just something so special. Yeah, we go to the to the draw next week. Uh, so big, a long travel to Australia. Um, and we need to see what comes out. That is very important. And then we'll see if we have a chance. Uh, but the, the major thing is that we are there at this moment. And we have time to prepare. We're not just going there to be part of the World Cup and going home after three games. We are there to perform. Yeah, they are there to perform and they have performed already. So that was Vera Powell speaking uh, to our sister station, FM 104 in Dublin, earlier this morning. stage everybody knows the music and the theme to that song and with great sadness we learned last night that Angela Lansbury who really is known uh, from that TV series Murder She Wrote she passed away at her home in California age 96 just a few days out from her 97th birthday she was also of course in many films the likes of Bedknobs and Broomsticks and she I suppose really is one of the last surviving stars of the golden age of 
Hollywood but uh, like many she had connections to Ireland her mother was from Belfast but Ansbury family themselves they moved to Cork in the 70s and they lived in Connor uh, for a number of times before moving to a home outside Ballycotton and she was speaking to journalists in 2013 and uh, she said when they were choosing a place to come to in Ireland they looked down south and they looked towards Cork because they felt uh, coming from California they needed a destination where it would be warmer maybe uh, than the other areas of the country. She said Cork is where we were going to try to live in a climate that is less difficult and not as sharp or as cold as such as the north or indeed as Dublin. And she really enjoyed her time living in Cork. Uh, well known to the various communities of East Cork over the years. So uh, and another huge star passing away the death of Angela Lansbury. And I said many will know her uh, from her days on Murder, She Wrote. That ran from the 80s right through until 1996. But it's still shown on TV and she was one of the most famous uh, women when it came to acting right across the world. That show was shown nearly in every country, I think, uh, at one stage. And as I say, it still is in some channels. You'll still come across it. And she was also one of the richest women uh, that came out of Hollywood from her roles within the films and also then uh, from Murder, She Wrote and and I suppose the royalties that come with that maybe over the years. Anyhow, uh, may she rest in peace. And I'm sure a lot of people in East Cork saddened with that news this morning. Our lines are open 0818103. 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. The energy credits we have spoken about on the show over the last number of months, well, they're making news this morning and this is something that was discussed earlier on this year as well in March and it's coming from, this time from the Social Democrats TD from Wicklow, Jennifer Whitmore and she is saying that holiday homes should not be granted the €600 Euros universal energy uh, from the government. Uh, she is saying that the energy measures outlined in the budget are, should be more targeted to benefit those who need it most and who need the financial assistance. Uh, the government have said that they, you know, if they were going to target each member of society, it would take a lot longer uh, to provide these energy credits. Now, some are saying that you know they had a number of months to sort this out, and surely from last March to now, they could have come up with some plan to target those who need it most. And she's against the energy credits given to holiday homes because if you can afford a second home uh, many are saying that you know you don't need the energy credit your views on that is she correct that the 600 euros energy credit that is going to be received by everybody including those who own a holiday home is it wrong the fact that maybe at this time of the year they won't be using the electricity as much in those holiday homes and the money will be given to them and the concrete levy well it seems that while it's in place Fianna Fáil backbenchers have been given reinsurance that the concrete level levy may not go ahead as planned in April and that it will be deferred. A lot of talk about this as it will uh, cause upheaval within the housing market. Many housing estates will be delayed to be built. Builders are saying that even one-off housing projects will uh, change because of the costs uh, will increase to those who are building those homes. Well now, uh, 12 TDs who met uh, with, and senators even, who met with the housing minister Darrell O'Brien yesterday, uh, they have been told that that levy will be postponed so we'll have to wait and see if that that will happen. It's a bit like the tourism VAT rate at 9% that is due to increase in February but some TDs are told that that in the budget said it's under review. Uh, so will will that stay at 9% or will it increase? We'll have to wait and see. Our lines open 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. 
Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Single parents face difficulties in affording clothes and shoes than two-parent households. That's according to the latest figures from the CSO. And Karen Kiernan of One Family joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. Now, these stats from the CSO, they're showing those more so in rental accommodation are struggling to buy the basics like shoes. That's right. Um, And in fact, you're 12 times more likely to be unable to buy shoes for your children if you're living in a one-parent family, which is across any type of uh, household, whether it's renting or not, which is just shocking. Um, These figures came out recently and they make for very depressing reading, particularly in light of the budget announcement last week, because what we saw was absolutely nothing targeted at one-parent families and their children, even though most poor children live in one-parent families in Ireland. So we could not understand why the government and the Department of Social Protection didn't make sure that those children aren't going to continue to live in poverty because they are. It's going to get worse for families, not better with this budget. And then when we mention the basics, there's also activities outside of school and this would be, for example, swimming lessons. And many will see their fellow students going off after school, uh, attending these lessons and talking about them in the schoolyard the next day. Uh, Parents are coming under pressure because many just simply can't afford this. They can't afford the after school activities that they must pay for. And that is having a knock on effect on the child. It absolutely is. It's socially excluding children. There's children from poor families who cannot afford to participate in their own communities. They can't afford to participate in school activities, as they've said. And you're much more likely to be in that situation if your parent is on their own. Um, And that's really sad. And I don't think that's what anybody in Ireland wants. It's where young children are excluded from going to a birthday party, going swimming, going on a school trip because their parents can't afford it. So the budget does have free primary school books from next year, which is really welcome. There's a lot of organisations been looking for that for many years to help families and that will help. But all those other things, the voluntary contributions, which are not so voluntary, all the other costs associated with school, it's just very, very sad if children cannot go on those things because their parents don't have enough money. And we know that many people parenting on their own don't have enough money because they can't pay their bills for fuel. They can't pay their enough food coming into the house and they're trying to keep a roof over their head. So it's really, really difficult. And with inflation, things are just getting worse. And even though in the budget there was those energy credits which would be given out and also for renters because from the CSO it seems those who are renting are finding it the toughest, they can't claim back so much in tax credits but does that go enough as in the tax credits are fine to claim back but in reality it might be just a 30 or 40 euro change on your tax that you don't physically get into your hand? Yeah, and I suppose for any working loan parents on low incomes, they may not be paying their full rent. They may um, be on a HAP, which is a housing assistance payment, and those tax credits don't apply there. And what we know is that many people are kind of trapped in the HAP process because they're paying top-up fees to landlords. And they have to, to keep the roof over their head, even though they're not supposed to. So this is a really difficult cycle. So that helps them at all. I mean, the whole thing with the energy credit, every organisation working with families, ourselves, St. Vincent de Paul, who are paying for a lot of electricity bills around the country, all said, please don't give everyone an energy credit again. And now they've given everyone a €600 Euro energy credit, including people who are fortunate enough to home, own two homes. They get it twice. And you have really poor people don't have enough to keep themselves warm. 
because the any increase in the social welfare payments didn't even meet inflation. So it's a very, very disappointing budget given the amount of money that the government's putting in. It's unfortunately gone to the wrong people and it's not being targeted at the families who need it the most. And that doesn't make sense because all the evidence is there. So we have to think, why is government not supporting children and parents to do their best, lift them out of poverty, help them get into jobs and careers? Why is that? Tomorrow we're celebrating our 50th anniversary as an organisation. We were set up as Cherish back in 1972. And we're just shaking our heads in wonder going, is this is this prejudice? Is this still what's going on in Ireland? And it's just not an Ireland we thought we lived in anymore, to be honest. And even though I see this morning that Minister Michael McGrath has said they have, I think it's up to €6 billion Euros in reserves as in a rainy day fund if they need to give to those who need it and things could change within the next year again. Uh, but while he's saying that, do you feel since the energy credits there you touched on, they were released firstly in March and they said they couldn't target them to certain society or certain people in society at that stage. They had enough time maybe where they could have come up with something better this time around. Yeah, I mean, lots of the said told them how to target it. <laughs> yeah. It's not undoable. What you do is you target cash payments that people are already on social welfare or in low-paid jobs. There's really clear ways to target it. They just didn't want to give cash to people. So, you know, there are ways of doing these things, absolutely. And instead, there's been a huge amount of money wasted going to families and, and people, individuals who don't need it, who may have two or three homes. And yet people who really need it are struggling day in, day out with cold, with 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 enough having enough food, with being able to pay their rent, um, and being able to maybe have their child go to a birthday party, you know, it's just shocking. And these are the kind of decisions. And now we see a U-turn on the concrete tax. So that's what that's what government was concerned about, not the poorest families and children, but the concrete tax. Yeah, it's very disappointing. Yeah, I suppose it, when you say that, it kind of shows where where, where we are coming from as a society. Marion on Texas making a very good point. She goes, these days, there is a lot more single parents because of more marriage breakups. And the reason for these marriage breakups is people now are walking away. Some, not all, but some maybe from violent situations that before they may have stayed. Uh, some due to what she calls maybe the shame uh, from the local neighbours and others try to work things out. But now people are just walking walking away. So we are seeing more families and more either single dads or single mams trying to work and trying to raise one or two children. And there might not be a situation where maintenance is coming their way. So they're the ones that are really finding it tough. Absolutely. And, and I think your, your texture is quite correct. We're also expecting to see more relationship breakdowns because of COVID and the pressures there, as well as the increased abuse and violence that happened during that time. Um, so, I, yes, where possible, people are trying to leave relationships that aren't working for them. But many people are trapped because of housing difficulties or because they don't have the money to be able to, to leave or the family support. Um, you mentioned maintenance. There's been a report on the need for a child maintenance changes or an agency. That report's been sitting on Minister Humphrey's desk for many months, but it's still not been published. And what we see in one family is that parents are in and out of court or in conflict over maintenance and maintenance may get paid, it may not get paid, but someone's social welfare payment could be affected. So it's very unsatisfactory and we need a system that the government supports. And in countries where they do that, there's actually less rates, you know, lower rates of child poverty. So it's a really good way of having people be responsible for their children and participate in their children's lives um, and try to avoid the conflict between parents. 
Um, and so we, we urgently need uh, a child maintenance agency. But again, no mention of this in the budget, even though that's what we were expecting. So, uh, you know, it, it's bewildering, frankly, why the budget, instead of being a lifeline and a support to some of the, the families who need it the most, was actually a bit of a rock that they're going to perish on because they're, they're you know, for many people, inflation is going to eat up any increases that were there and parents are going to be far worse off when these energy credits are finished in March um, and who's going to be left picking up the pieces? It's probably going to be the voluntary organisation. Yeah, more than likely, who are already under pressure themselves yeah. from dealing with these situations. Uh, good points made there, Karen. We'll wait and see if anything does change uh, between now and indeed the early part of next year. Uh, more than likely not, but we'll see what comes out over the next few months for the moment. Uh, Karen, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you. That is Karen Kieran there, who is a Chief Executive of One Family. Your views are welcome. 0818103103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. A number of calls and texts in on various issues, including uh, the Republic of Ireland women's team and their win. Also, uh, the group of Ukrainian refugees who were living in accommodation in Killarney and were told that they had to move to Mayo. A few people commenting on that. We'll get to those as well. But on the way next, accommodation crisis of a different we heard of students trying to find accommodation in Cork over the last number of months well now when it comes to our healthcare workers they're in the midst of this crisis we'll speak and hear about what's happening next we heard of the crisis for students when it comes to accommodation now healthcare workers are in the midst of this crisis and Cork property website Homehack says there is a rental shortage for those workers in the area its founder Pat Drynan joins me this morning good morning to you Pat Good morning, JP. Thanks for having us on. And thanks for joining us. And we are hearing of more and more doctors and nurses who are coming to work in this country and here in Cork. And a lot of them have graduated out of college and are now working in the likes of CUH. And now they're coming into a situation where they need to live here, but demand is outweighing supply. Yes, absolutely. And um, we're finding this in, in every profession, but... Since the since last year when we started this, uh, and we're more of a people website than a property website, we, we list people looking for accommodation. We've found quite a lot, I would say a disproportionately high number of joiners are from the medical professions. And indeed, they include nurses, but also student doctors. Um, and we've even had consultants come to us who have who've spent one man was up to 10 weeks moving just from the neighboring county. And could pay over €2,000 for a home uh, for his wife and two kids. And it, it took that long just to find accommodation. So, yes... It's proving to be very difficult and we need these people in, in the city, obviously. And we're talking here about healthcare workers. You know, we're very aware from what we're hearing on calls and texts and even from people I meet myself. It's really uh, something that's across all professions and why we need healthcare workers more so and there's more of them now moving to the Cork area to work in our two big hospitals. It's kind of affecting every sector, Pat, and I'm sure you're seeing that as well from your own website, Homehack. We are indeed. And on, on, on Homehack, we're agnostic about where people come from and, you know, what they earn, you know, their qualifications, all of that. What, what we do is we help the individuals to, to gather their information and promote themselves and say, here I am, I'm an organized person and I'd like somebody to, you know, I'd like to apply for a home. But also we, we flip it on its head, JP, and we help them to display their tenant CVs and have people with homes 
come to to them and offer accommodation to them and we 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 in the last week or so we've decided to step up our appeal and look for people with maybe spare rooms in their homes that might be willing that might feel benevolent towards the the medical profession because they've they've had recent experience and haven't we all had wonderful experiences in our hospitals and nursing homes and that and then you know offer maybe that that spare room if you're on a convenient to uh, commute to the to the the hospital or other medical location and you know offer the room maybe for six months and and possibly even for a year to give that medical person an opportunity if they do want to find a longer term accommodation at least they have somewhere to stay because a lot of times these individuals are coming to help us from abroad and they get support for the first six weeks in hosted accommodation a lot of times from from agencies and maybe from the hospitals but then they're sort of left to their own devices many times and you know, sometimes um, they don't know the, the geography so well and they're, they're left at very difficult commutes. They're left at very expensive accommodation options. And and I feel, you know, it's it's time just to, to raise the awareness and say it's not just, a, oh, I'll have to advertise my home on a property website. In fact, we're, we're, we're starting, but we're going to make more easy for people to find uh, that person and select them, pick them out, and say, do you know what, um, I think maybe our property could suit you or we can accommodate you for six months, nine months, however long it is. Yeah, and I was looking at your website yesterday, Home Hack. Uh, it's, I like the way you do it. It's like a CV is the best way to describe it. As you would go for a job, it's a CV basically as a tenant looking towards a landlord to live. And I mean, a lot of people listening, I'm sure, over the years, I was one of them. I, I have my own place now, but I house shared uh, for a number of years. And, you know, when, you, when somebody leaves the house and you of a room free and you have to go off and interview people and whoever's there was four of us sharing a house uh, with three of us then would have to interview people coming in you can meet the most interesting characters but you know a lot of them are not suited and won't fit into the house so yes what you have basically it's it's an online website where people can upload what they do what they I suppose are into and you can match up then more or less a database to find the right home for the tenant but also that the landlord will be finding the right person because nothing worse if someone may be on their own living and bringing someone in to help the community to help people move into Cork but then it doesn't work out or or they feel that person you know is messy or, or, or it just doesn't work in the house yeah, JP, you've hit on a number of, um, of features, and in fact, our most popular feature. You 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 highlighted it just there. Um, thank you for 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 that. Because when we developed the platform, it's the first of its kind in the world, and we're we've started it in Cork, and we're looking, and it's growing quite quickly now. We're looking to scale it out of Cork in the near future. But the the feature you alluded to there is where when people come and they prepare their, as you call it, their 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 CV. It's a tenant CV, and it's something that um, you know. Why when they when people apply for homes with six or eight or ten different landlords or letting agents, do they have to uh, you know prepare a new application every single time? You know what? We help them to prepare one great tenant CV with all of their their references. Their um, ID is verified with Stripe Identity. We're the first in Ireland to do that, and they 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 present themselves as organised and as trustworthy. And then what we help them to do, if, if for example, they, the, the point you alluded to there, if there were three of them and they'd like to live together, 
well, it doesn't make sense that they apply separately then for homes and hope that one or other gets picked. We help them to join their tenancy Vs, group them together and apply as a ready-made household. And the letting agents and landlords love this because from their perspective, it doesn't make sense to to pick out three or four strangers, shove them in together and hope, hope fingers crossed, they'll have chemistry. We, we, this was um, helpful for students where a lot of first years coming to college don't know who are they going to live with. Fourth years don't want to live with first years. Master students feel, you know, I've left college, I'm in a master's program now. So they don't want to end up living with um, different years. So that it was helpful there for first years, second years, third years. They were able to identify each other maybe with similar courses, um, similar years or from similar backgrounds, lumped together as four people. Um, like what we're suggesting the nurses do and the doctors, come together as a household and then present to the letting agent or to the landlord as, here we are, we're a group, we have better purchasing power than individuals, we're likely to get on well together, um, and we have everything ready and organised up front. And so that's a good summary of how we're approaching it and saying it's not all about property. And we're more a people website than a property. And if, you, if people go today and they see somebody that they, they feel they can offer a home to, that would be wonderful today. And if you don't see somebody you like today, well, it, it changes on a daily basis. And register, register your room or your home. And tomorrow or the next day, you might find that you're presented with a very full and wholesome tenant CV for somebody who is presenting as an organized person. Yeah, and even back in my day of house sharing, I think we would have used something like this because you can be interviewing seven or eight or nine different people uh, every night and it, you know, it, it can be a process that can go on and go on. So surely when you have more detail, yes. it does make it easier uh, when it comes to a house share situation. But for someone who owns their home and maybe wants to rent that room, of course, you can do that and you can rent a room for isn't it up to €1,400. Euros, you won't be taxed on that. You have to tell revenue now out of the last budget, but you won't be taxed. Yeah, it's actually much more than that, uh, JP. It's 14,000 per 40, annum. And just to be clear, I've, I've, I've had people say to me, oh, you get 14,000 like in a check in the post. No, it's <laughs> it's you can get revenue, you get paid rent per month. And then as long as it adds up to 13,999, you pay no tax on that interview. And it's a wonderful incentive. And, you know, last, last Saturday, um, the team and I, we went to Bellincolic, um the shopping centre, Castleware Shopping Centre there in Bellincolic, and we put up a stand because we thought we, we, we want to go out and, and, and hear back from the community. Oh, and we just lost a path there. We were just finishing up anyhow uh, on uh, that uh, interview, but it is, the website's called Home Hack. Uh, you can search for that online and it's, I think it's something that a lot of people uh, will start using if you are owning your home and with the cost of everything going up and you have a spare room and instead of trying to decipher between people who you put on an ad or wherever else you put an ad on and you're trying to find the right person, Home Hack, you'll have their CV, you'll have all the details in front of you. It might make it easier for people and also for those who are coming here to live in Cork or, I mean, a lot of people are from county areas uh, moving to the city or vice versa, city to county areas, it might make it easier for you to push your details up online. You might find a, a house better that way. Anyhow, uh, if that can help somebody, we're uh, happy to pass on details to you. 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we are going to hear more uh, calls and comments on various issues that are coming into the programme this morning. Also,
Well, here research being done by UCC and also the Cork Parkinson's Association. They're linking pesticides and uh, Parkinson's. Uh, is there a link? Well, they're researching that and they have seen a lot of farmers who have joined the Cork Parkinson's Association and they're trying to figure out research-wise could there be a link between pesticides and Parkinson's. We'll speak with them after 11. And also Team Hope join us ahead of their annual shoebox appeal. C103, it's Cork Today with you right through until 1. JP in for Patricia again today and Bernie takes your comments on 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead on the programme, we're going to hear how UCC and the Cork Parkinson's Association, they are working together to research if there is any link between pesticides and Parkinson's. That's ahead very shortly, but a lot of your calls and comments in. Uh, first of all, back to the celebration and the joy and the positivity that is coming uh, from the win last night. Of course, a lot of people happy with this on text. Uh, the Republic of Ireland women's team uh, qualifying for the World Cup finals, the first in their history. And Michael in Castletown Bear says, a million thanks to the ladies of Ireland for lifting the whole of Ireland's spirits and making everyone so proud with your relentless talent, work and above all, your dedication. You have set the bar so high. And to that lady for Donegal and Ireland, what a poignant moment for her and her country. Amber Barish, you have lifted the hearts of Donegal and the country in its greatest time of need. And also... What an interview she gave after. She is an inspiration for everyone, especially young boys and girls now that are already dreaming of one day following in her footsteps, says Michael in Castletown Bear. While Jimmy says that this is just fantastic. Now look at all the young girls that play soccer in the local community watching those last night. It will give them a boost to continue. And those who don't play sport might want to take up soccer now. And they now have role models to look at, the likes of Denise and Amber are becoming role models on an international stage says Jimmy while somebody else is texting asking is it true that the women's team was recorded singing Up the Ra after the match and this has um, made appearance the video on a number of uh, news websites over the last number of hours and uh, there's a certain Irish song that in the middle of the chorus uh, the the girls started singing Up the Ra now whether they got carried away uh, with everything I'm not too sure some people thought they were singing Up the Paul uh, Vera Powell's surname Bush others say clearly says up the ra anyhow uh, the video went viral then of course on uh, the internet and news websites picking up on it this morning but you may have heard Barry there on news at 11 the FAI has come out on that one they have apologised for any offence caused by a pro IRA song being sung in the dressing room after the game and after the match last night and manager Vera Powell also has come out and she says they are sorry from the bottom of their hearts and will remind the players of their collective responsibility uh, so uh, they have apologised for that uh, for that texter who was asking about that. Apologies have come from both the manager and indeed from the FAI. And then this is a story that came out yesterday evening. It's coming from Killarney Dan on text saying, can you please highlight the disgraceful treatment of the Ukrainian women and school kids who were being taken from their schools and lives in Killarney to be shipped like cattle to Westport, surely this repeating of their grief of seven months ago when they had to leave their home. 
homes in Ukraine. It's just scandalous. And the behaviour from RTDs who were all gone missing on this issue, says Dan. Uh, now, I did hear the, uh, Kerry today speaking yesterday evening on news. Uh, Brendan Griffin, I think, was one of them that was out speaking on this. Uh, but you are right, it is uh, happening. And this is a story that came, as I said, yesterday evening. They're moving them from Killarney to Mayo. It's 135 people uh, and they were just given 48 hours notice to leave Killarney for a new accommodation in Westport. Many have started to settle in Killarney. Some are already uh, education. They're working in the education sector. Some have set up courses. Uh, So many of them want to stay and I think some local people have offered uh, some of those families places to stay as well. Uh, But then they are now uh, still going to leave. Now, I don't think there's an update on that if they've left her yet this morning, uh, but so far, anyhow, they were going to be put on a bus and taken to County Mayo because uh, the authorities said Killarney did not have room for them and the area where they are staying in, that, that area is now being taken over and accommodated for refugees and asylum seekers even that are coming from other uh, areas of the world. Uh, so those from Ukraine are being moved to Westport and that is with the reasons given from the authorities. But as you can uh, hear from our texters and indeed from people in Killarney, unhappy that this is happening but seemingly it's actually just as I speak there the department um, is reversing its decision to move Ukraine refugees from Killarney to Mayo that is changing as we speak have they made a decision have they totally yet they have um, and the department says they are working tirelessly now to source alternative accommodation for them Uh, so that is just changing in the last number of minutes it's a a changing story as I speak to you at the moment here so uh, it says now that they move to Westport will not proceed and the Department of Integration have said they are working now to resolve this issue. There is still no accommodation so I presume at this stage the Ukrainian refugees will be remaining. Uh, wasn't it a hotel I think they were in? Uh, in Killarney one of the hotels, the, the hotel in the Park Road uh, they were in that hotel but also there is asylum seekers now being brought into that hotel so it's going to be a busy area and I'm not too sure if there's room for them all but they'll have to work now and, and source extra accommodation which they not uh, have they done that already they haven't done that already so they're working still on this so it's going to be uh, a busy hotel with all the asylum seekers and refugees it seems at the moment in the one location anyhow it's as I said it's a, it's a changing story and the latest is coming now from the Kerry Independent Deputy Michael Healy Ray he's welcoming uh, the move in the last few minutes it made no sense to move people from one hotel to another hotel in Mayo it just it beggared belief I'm glad that other accommodation has been sourced and that these children parents and uh, they were working in the community they were learning the language in the community they, they were after integrating and it actually would have been very inhuman to have gone ahead with this so the reversal of the decision but yet uh, they must find accommodation for them thank you Dan uh, highlighting that and that situation just changing uh, as we uh, talk at the moment and social welfare uh, came up when we spoke with Karen Kiernan of the One Family and somebody on text saying on the news last night they said a lot of the welfare payments are being brought forward but why can't they bring the 200 euro electricity credit forward that's been pushed back we don't all qualify for social welfare a lot of these people should be sent 
sent out and get a job uh, like before uh, it was not seen that they were going out looking for work uh, this person on text feels they should be deducting money if they don't go out and find work because some of us are really struggling and we are working says this person on text well uh, what was announced yesterday was the date so there was nothing kind of pushed forward initially when the budget came out they were saying for example that the feudal allowance lump sum that would be paid in November uh, but they never gave an exact date and people were asking what is the date and all we had was November now that feudal allowance lump sum of 400 euros will be paid on the week commencing the 14th of November so uh, they were more or less just giving people exact dates yesterday nothing was brought forward just the exact dates were being given to people but on the situation of the electricity allowances uh, they will be made as we know as three separate credits and they will be on bills in November in January and in March so your November bill whenever that comes to you your 200 credits will be uh, on that November bill so hopefully uh, that answers your question regarding uh, they won't be bringing them forward but as I say they will be uh, implementing the bills in November receiving the 200 euro credit and I mentioned face masks earlier also and if they should be brought back because uh, face masks could be reintroduced on public transport and healthcare settings if there is a new variant of concern coming on stream. Now, as far as I'm aware, most healthcare settings have the most GP surgeries, all hospitals, you will have to wear a face mask when you're entering those. Some pharmacies as well require this. Uh, the details, of course, are included in a memo circulated to cabinet ministers yesterday alongside the main HSE winter plan. People have mixed views on face masks because while they're just talking about the public transport network at the moment some feel maybe we should go further your views are welcome 0818 103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 but Aoife Kearns was looking at this for us and here's her report on what we could expect over the winter the winter plan includes the recruitment of an additional 600 healthcare staff, including 51 ED consultants, while Ireland's 29 emergency departments will each be given individual plans by the HSE in an effort to help them cope with the projected increase in illnesses such as COVID and flu. GP Dr Alona Duffy reckons filling these posts will be a problem. But talk about hiring 51 new emergency consultants, ED consultants, is just farcical really when we can't fill the existing consultant posts. While it's aspirational and it's to be welcomed, we've got to see the practicalities of it come. Alongside the main HSC winter plan, Health Minister Stephen Donnelly produced details of their COVID-19 plan for the winter months. It includes an emergency response if new variants of concern come on stream. These emergency measures would include the reintroduction of masks on public transport and in healthcare settings. However, Stephen Donnelly said it's only precautionary. It includes vaccines, obviously, communications campaigns, updated advice and implementation on filtration and ventilation and an emergency response should we, hopefully we won't, but should we, for example, see a variant of concern that's highly transmissible. The plan also looks to expand capacity in public hospitals and access to private hospitals. Aoife Kearns reporting there on what we could expect across the winter months and when it comes to face masks I mentioned it earlier on in the show a lot of people are already getting in contact with mixed views first of all Andrea says no to face masks we need to move on uh, no need for them we can't be living our life wearing these masks while George says he doesn't mind it makes sense if it does prevent any type of cold going into the winter outside of anything to do with Covid George says if it reduces flu or head colds he's for wearing 
a mask, while Liz has a son living in Sydney who says it was very common long before anything to do with COVID was ever spoken about to see people, her son says, walking around Sydney during the winter months wearing face masks. It would not be unusual uh, why everyone does wear them, though. It's by choice, uh, but people should respect either way, whether you wish to wear them or whether you do not wish to wear them. Everybody's choice should be respected. Uh, For example, if you choose to wear a torn jumper, you don't be stopping people on the street asking them about this. So why would you ask them if they're wearing a face mask, says Liz. While Tom is listening to us in Spain and he says here in Spain, where here, uh, many of people, many of the people, but also many of the businesses, he says, require you uh, to wear a face mask when you enter their premises. So parts of Spain still requiring you uh, to wear a face mask. Just some of your comments on if you would like them to come back or not. At the moment, there's no talk on them in public areas outside, of course, of public transport. And I know they mentioned healthcare settings, but I think the majority of healthcare settings still have that in place. They never got rid of uh, the wearing of masks. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. C103 Jobs. Chefs and kitchen assistants are wanted at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. You can email your CV to info at hibernianhotelmallow.com for the attention of Greg. And a sign fitter is required for the Cork area. You can email your CV to jobs at asigns.ie. And a baker manager is wanted for Sintra in League. You can call 087 311 or 7 or indeed you can email League at gmail.com. These details and more you'll find them online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job record today on c103 call patricia with your comment 0818103103 ucc researchers are examining the potential link between parkinson's disease and pesticides used by farmers the cork parkinson's association chair tony wilkinson says the group has begun to notice a pattern within the farming community and now they want to investigate this further tony wilkinson who was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2015 now joins me. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. And this is very interesting research, I must say, and it's following evidence uh, from the connection among farmers in wine-producing regions of France and also in areas of the Netherlands where they're growing flowers and they would use these pesticides. That's right. Um... That's what initially sparked my interest when I was reading one of the papers from um, a leading uh, expert in the field, uh, Professor Bas Bloom from Nijmegen in uh, the Netherlands. And I was looking at our membership and realising that there was a very, very high proportion of the members are farmers. And then um, one, uh, one farmer there was a situation where there was a father and son who had Parkinson's and that really sort of sparked it. And I made contact with the Parkinson's disease research cluster in UCC. And then when you spoke with them, they picked up on this and they decided to investigate. And this was launched, the survey that is at the National Ploughing Championships. And of course, it it makes sense when you look at the farming community, they are spraying crops. You know, they are using uh, what we're talking about, such as uh, pesticides. Uh, And is it that without with this research, um, you were hoping to get more education out there 
in the community and maybe farmers using more personal protection equipment? Well, well that's the, the, the point of it, really. It's, it's not to sort of... Herbicides and pesticides will never be banned. It's actually getting people to understand the... Um, how dangerous it is to them on a personal basis and to use the correct equipment and for that to be, as and when necessary, updated. And also to look at the delivery systems, whether it be the packs on the back with the hose spray or the um, huge industrial um, sprayers that are fitted to the back of the tractor units. It's to see how we can better improve those as well. And for yourself, Tony, you know, you were diagnosed in 2015. For those who are going along to the Parkinson's group, and obviously you're all sharing your stories, uh, when it comes to the farming community, and, and you yourself have said you've noticed this, and, and that's why you've gone to UCC with the investigation, what are the first signs that, yeah. that, that they are noticing? I mean, for yourself, what were your first signs when it came to Parkinson's? Um, well, my first signs were a slowness in my movements, my hands, um, and um, basically the, the, the tremor, the slight tremor. So it, it was sort of classical Parkinson's issues, really. Um, there are many, many variations of uh, very different aspects to the kin, whether it be motor neuron or non-motor neuron. And that's why it's very difficult to diagnose and uh, again, on the farming side of things, um, it's, it's an issue that uh, is a delayed one because what you'll find is the people who were using the pesticides, etc., well, we're using them 10, 15, 20 years ago, and it is now sort of coming through. So uh, again, those, those are things that we, we look at. John Paul. Yeah, and I suppose many of the farmers, the younger farmers these days, may be wearing that protection equipment I mentioned, but as you say, 20, 30 years ago, that may not have been heard of, and some may have worn that, and some may have just gone out and, and sprayed crops. And looking at the research coming in already from labs across the world on this, they feel that some pesticides that they apply themselves to certain cells in the body and certain neurons, and that can have a, a neurological impact. That's right. Um, th this this has been tested um, uh, to a great extent uh, in the States and again with um, Basbloom over in the uh, Netherlands. And what they're finding is that certain chemicals attach themselves to certain proteins within the, um, the brain system. And that's where it affects it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Not being a neurologist, that's a very basic working man's um, explanation of it. Yeah, but you know that's what people need. They need to hear the basics rather than big words and terminology. Yeah. Uh, can, and that can highlight it to people more so than going in depth on the situation. So UCC, they're at the moment investigating this and researching this. When can we expect findings from UCC? So we're, we're looking, um, we had a meeting the other day and we're looking at sort of uh, eight, nine months time when we can collate all the information. And... Um, What's actually also interesting is that, again, we've uh, made connections with the Netherlands and they're just starting a a major project there themselves um, with some EU funding, whereas this particular project is literally funded by us as a local group. And um, that that is where we may find restrictions, i.e. that we can go so far and hit a limit and how are you funding this? Carry it on. Yeah. Sorry? How are you funding this? If it's by yourselves, where's the money coming from? Um, it's it's through donations and everything. And as a group, um, we made um, um, uh, a huge donation to the Parkinson's disease research cluster at UCC a few years ago uh, so that we could do this type of work. Um, this is just one of many projects that we have been involved with um, in U- with UCC, and we've um, we've been on the radio and spoken about the mapping project that we got involved mm-hmm. with. And again, that was initiated by ourselves, so we seed funded that, and then it was picked up, and we got extra funding. Um, we've also done the same with. Um, a project working with the Tyndall Institute. And again, that's a remote sensing project where you can pick up the information from a person with Parkinson's, i.e. how slow and stiff they are, etc. And it can be sent back via satellite to a hub, read up by AI. And if there's nothing wrong, then it leaves it. But if there's a red flag, it'll... Put the uh, put it in front of a consultant. So we've been involved in all this type of work. We seed fund it, 
and then people come on board and um, carry on with the, the work. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing work you're doing there. And Tony, yourself, I mean, you are organised uh, highly and chair of the Cork Parkinson's Association, but you're seven years diagnosed with Parkinson's. Yeah. Uh, how is life daily for you? Um, it, it is a struggle. I mean, literally prior to taking this call from John Paul, um, I was having to clear my head and try and get... Um, my thought process working because I'm not on a very good day today. So this is actually taking quite, quite a bit of effort out of me. Um, but, uh, that's just the way it is, you know, with Parkinson's, um, one day you're good. The next day you can be really bad, you know, and that that's, that's why we can't plan ahead on many things. So organizing a holiday can be a nightmare believe me yeah I, I mean you're doing extremely well Tony you're saying you're having a bad day you're, you're explaining everything fantastically well physically uh, then uh, how, how is everything physically for you body wise um, oh, oh it's uh, I, I yes I show characteristics if I go uh, people say if I go for a walk I go for a wobble um, I, I can't walk a straight line Um I use a walking aid. Um, I have to sort of literally plan a route. And I know all the best sitting points around Bandon now um, for for resting. Hmm. Um, and those are the things that uh, I have to worry about. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite well known locally as a bollard because I tend to freeze and when I freeze, I literally, my foot will stick to the floor and there's nothing I can do. And you know the footpaths in Bandon being narrow. So I'm, I've had quite a few conversations with a queue of buggies trying to get past me. So it's, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's interesting on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, are people supportive, Tony, when you are in that free situation? Am I? Are people towards you supportive if you are in that situation that you described? If, if you do come into a free situation, people that are trying to pass you, do they understand? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, um, yeah, as I said, I'm well known around Bandon and um, that they, they're very good. Um, and uh, they're, they're used to me now. Um, I actually did have a situation when I first moved here where somebody didn't quite understand what was going on and they literally thought well let's just pick him up you get the legs i'll get the shoulders and we'll put him to one side <laughs> which would have been quite undignified but you know talk to people uh let them understand and you know that's the way it is you, know, you you've got to carry on with your life no matter what um is put in your way Indeed. Well, you have a very positive outlook, Tony, and I think your work that you are to the fore with the Cork Parkinson's Association and indeed this research with UCC, uh, everything you're doing is really helping people who may be just diagnosed or are going through the journey of Parkinson's. So for the moment, Tony, I wish you well today. I hope today uh, will in the end be a good day for you, but we wish you well. Thank you very much, Jean-Paul. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for the time.
and to you too and I'm sure we will chat again when we get the final research from UCC but it is very interesting research you have to admit uh, that link that could be between the disease of Parkinson's and indeed uh, pesticides that many uh, farmers would use and we'll have more on that when the final research comes out from UCC and thanks to Tony Wilkinson who's chair of the Cork Parkinson's Association for talking to us uh, this morning our lines are open 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103103 and on the way we're going to hear about Team Hope and this year's Shoebox Appeal. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103103. Team Hope's Christmas Shoebox Appeal which was launched last week aims to deliver as many gift-filled shoeboxes as possible to children for whom poverty is their everyday reality. Jonathan Douglas is the Christmas Shoebox Appeal manager from Team Hope and he joined joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Jonathan. Good morning, John Paul. Thanks so much for having me on. And thanks for joining us. Another year again of the filled shoeboxes travelling to Africa and so many children and schools get involved every year, don't they, Jonathan, in this scheme? And I know donations are made in Cork to over 13 countries across Africa. Yes, yes, no, that's right. No, and we have, uh, we have uh, five teams, uh, four teams, sorry, in Cork uh, with volunteers that are collecting the shoeboxes this year. So County Cork has always been such a huge supporter of the Christmas shoebox deal. And when it comes to, we say, a shoebox, you can use any box, I presume, or can you build a box as well? Uh, yes, yeah, so well, like, yeah, kind of your, your standard kind of size shoebox, so for maybe an adult, an adult pair of shoes. Um, yeah, just, just kind of get, get, getting an empty shoebox, wrapping it in, in uh, Christmas paper, and then filling it with uh, items from the four W's, as we call them. That's something to write with, wash, wear, and wow. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of that's the standard standard way of doing it. And when you say wash, wear, and wow, what type of items should people be pushing in? I mean, some people put in some some socks or some goodies, but what, 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 what do you think they, is needed more so this year? Well, um, believe it or not, kind of some of the most popular items for um, that the children love to receive. So, in the, say, for example, in the what to write with column, but actually copybooks. Um, copybooks are fantastic for schools. So, you know, some stuff for schools, so like uh, copybooks, pens, pencils, pencil cases, that kind of thing. Um, and then so, uh, when it comes to the what to wash with, uh, toothbrush and toothpaste are very popular. They're very much appreciated. Um, and then under the uh, what to wear, I think like hats, gloves, and scarves, they, you know, like it, it still gets very cold at night in Africa as well. So, that those are very popular items. And then when it comes to the wear, um, Every child loves sweets. Can't not put sweets into a into a shoebox. I think so. Sweets are great. A little cuddly teddy bear, of course, and um, yeah, maybe a pair of sunglasses or a tennis ball. Tennis balls are great because they're lovely and small, and um, you play with all sorts of kids can play with them. So. And we have seen videos firsthand here from those who travel with Team Hope uh, to various countries within Africa and just to see the delight on those children's faces when they open these boxes and many now are familiar with the scheme and realise this is going to come again this year. Uh, the joy it brings. Have you been there when that has happened or have you seen the benefit that it has brought to families? Yes, no, I've been there myself. I went to Romania in 2019 and I was able to see firsthand the impact of the Christmas shoebox deal, and it's not just the children that are you know, overjoyed. It's also the, their parents, their their guardians, the people that are taking care of them. Because these children, they've never been able to get a present before, and uh, these people taking care of the children have never been able to give them a present before. So um, it's it's not just the children. And um, like when we release the numbers every year of the amount of boxes that kick come in, you can almost double, if not triple, the amount of uh, people that are impacted as a result of the appeal. So it, it is truly wonderful. 
And when you were there, just describe the poverty that you come across and uh, what their everyday life can be like. Yeah, so like when um, I, like even though like Romania would be uh, a member of the EU, like there's still um, a lot of a lot of lot of parts of Romania that are in uh, are in poverty um, as well. And yeah, no, just like and just in, in certain parts, in the poorest parts, you know, there um, you know there wouldn't be heating, there wouldn't be insulation, so they you know um, they would have they'd come up with some creative ways to kind of stay warm. So they would have uh, instead of having you know their, maybe their carpet or rugs on the floor, they would have them up on the walls. Um, to try and keep their houses uh, warmer. Um, so that was kind of the level that we were seeing when we were out there. And a lot, a lot of people have had to leave the country, uh, leave, leave their children behind to go and find work. Uh, and that's just in regards to the poorest parts. But um, yeah, no, it's, um, there are still a lot of children in need uh, in Eastern Europe. And do you hear then stories back from those who received the shoeboxes feedback on, on what they thought of them and uh, what, it, what it meant to them, I suppose, from, from those impacted? Absolutely. Like the shoebox appeal has been around long enough now that actually children that received shoeboxes many years ago, they're, they're now grown up and uh, some of them have come to live in Ireland and uh, r- uh, raise their own families here. And they, they've shared their stories and they, they tell us that they remember their shoeboxes so well that it was it made all the difference. Like they, it was such a positive difference to their lives. They felt loved. They felt hope. And that's why they're now making the shoeboxes here in Ireland uh, with their own children and, and getting their workplaces involved as well and just trying to spread that hope and joy that they got as a child with, with other children um, in, in, in Africa and Eastern Europe. And for those who are going to put it together a shoebox this year and donate, you can drop those into, there's a lot of local centres across Cork and you can find those on your own website or where to drop them into. Yes, that's right. They'll be on our website. And of course, any any, any local deals, Toymaster or First Stop will also take the boxes. Uh, but we have teams as well. They're based in uh, Cork City, Bandon, Formoy and Skibreen. But if you're in any other part of Cork, not to worry, there will be local drop-offs on our website towards the end of the month. And, of course, your nearest team will also will be able to arrange collection as well. Um, so, yes, not to worry where you are. Lots of and how are you for volunteers this year? I know there was a call out there earlier in the month or last month even for volunteers. Have you enough people there to, to help out this year? Oh, oh, we're always looking for volunteers, John Paul. So oh. if you are anywhere in Cork and uh, you would like to be involved, just get in touch with us. As I said, there are four centres. Uh, so Cork City, Skibreen, Bandon and Formoy, that's where the actual checking centres are. But um, So if you'd like to check some shoeboxes, that would be fantastic. But they're, they're also they're always looking for you know drivers in those hard-to-reach places to collect shoeboxes and, and, and help bring them to the nearest centre. That's fantastic. And we're, all, we're always looking for people to help with uh, fillers as well. So sometimes the, uh, maybe there's a, one of the four Ws missing from a shoebox, so we, we like to get some extra fillers. So if anyone out there would be able to donate some of those four Ws, that would just be amazing to, to the team. Well, best of luck again this year. I know a lot of people that tune to this show go ahead and fill those shoeboxes and a lot of schools get involved in particular with those as well. So the best of luck, Jonathan, this year and uh, hopefully they'll go to well-deserved families right across the, the continent of Africa. Thank you, Take care. Thank you. That is Jonathan Douglas, who is from Team Hope. Their shoebox appeal, and again, you can check out their website for further details there on where you can go along and drop off your shoebox to. You just go along to teamhope.ie. Uh, text in here a WhatsApp even in and this is from Jim and many of you maybe are in this situation I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because I know we discussed this earlier on in the summer and a lot of people felt the same Jim is saying that JP I'm going to have a rant about the milk all summer long my milk turns within two days in my fridge now we're into the autumn and it's just the same so I purchased milk on Saturday last it was dated the 17th of October used by on the carton this morning 
it's sour and it's only the 12th of October and my milk is dated the 17th. Now, sorry for my rant, but my fridge is in working order as it keeps my beer lovely and cold. So would the answer be to put the milk into tins like beer? If anyone has an answer for my milk, please let me know, says Jim on WhatsApp to 0862103103. So any words of advice for Jim on the milk? Because I know... We had a number of texts and calls from people, uh, I think it was July we discussed this, who were in a similar boat. They bought the milk, purchased it, put it in the fridge, and even though the date could have been maybe a week away, they felt after two or three days, uh, the milk was gone sour or about to go sour. There was a different taste of the milk. Let us know any advice for Jim, but are you noticing that when you purchase milk, does it uh, go off a lot faster than it used to within two or three days? of purchase uh, let us know Jim uh, is having that problem anyhow on WhatsApp to 0862103103 text to the same number or you can uh, call Bernie on 0818103103 and I spoke earlier about the sad news and this was the death of Angela Lansbury, who, of course, spent many years here in Cork. She bought a house in Connor in the 70s and then moved to another home outside of Ballycotton, was well known within the East Cork community. And, of course, the most famous TV show was Murder, She Wrote. Uh, but a lovely WhatsApp in earlier. And uh, this is from a person who says, uh, hearing the news about Angela just brings back memories of my childhood because this person's mother was a private nurse for one of Angela Lansbury's best friends who lived in Kinsale and we used to be filled with excitement when visiting and we would rush to the phone when it rang because more than often it would be more than likely the woman herself Angela on the other side of the phone we never met her in person my mum did a few times and she said she was just a lovely lady but she was also lovely also on the phone uh, when my mum used to answer the phone and uh, she rest in peace. That's a lovely story from Kinsale on the late now Angela Lansbury and this is from Veronica who used to live in East Cork and met Angela uh, numerous times in the area at some events and also at Ballymaloo uh, where she used to stay before they bought their house, uh, Veronica says, in and near Ballycotton. A lovely person, no bling, no uh, major fame about her, just a nice person who naturally looks stunning. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp as well, Veronica, on 0862103103 or you can call Bernie 0818. 103, 103, people's thoughts there on the late Angela Lansbury. May she rest in peace. Cork today until one. JP in for Patricia today and Bernie taking your calls and comments and indeed your gardening questions now as well because Peter Donald will join us after 12.30. Uh, so if you have a question for Peter, get those into us right now on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And I mentioned there stories earlier on from people who either had a connection with Angela Lansbury who passed away uh, yesterday evening or indeed met her. One person who did meet her was James who's living in Cloyne. He met her in the local post office in Churchtown South and he just said hello to her as he passed and she looked back at him and she goes hello as well. Uh, he was a big fan he said over the years so it made his day uh, when she acknowledged him so uh, more stories coming in from people right across the, uh, the country but she, more so in East Cork who uh, met uh, the late Angela over the 
the years of course um, living in near Ballycotton uh, and also for a while in the 70s in uh, Connor uh, so she had a, a big love of Cork and uh, as earlier on as I was saying it's amazing her family and herself they decided to choose Cork to live as her mother was originally from Belfast and they felt that if they were going to live in Dublin or indeed the more north of, of, of Ireland uh, that the weather it might not suit them and they felt the climate in Cork uh, they may you know adapt better to living in Cork than elsewhere in the country because it would be colder for them so that's how they ended up then uh, first of all in Connacht and then in uh, Ballycotton of course some more she was involved with so much over the years from Hollywood but uh, more or less known from that TV series Murder She Wrote and also uh, a lot of calls and comments in this is which we mentioned earlier from texters uh, people who were asking about the uh, Irish women's uh, soccer team who have qualified for the World Cup but something now that is overshadowing them is the fact that uh, afterwards in the dressing rooms uh, they were singing a song and a chant which is of a republican nature that was circulated on social media and picked up by a number of news sites it was a song and in the middle of the chorus they were going up the ra uh, people have mixed views on this Pat says there's nothing wrong with what they were saying uh, we are Irish after all says Pat if people don't like it um, while John is making a good point and I think the majority of people would are saying this on text and whatsapp today uh, John it says all this controversy over the team singing up the ra it's just a song we need to concentrate on them getting through to the World Cup. They have done better than the men's team, so let's concentrate on this. While Jones says, okay, they may have sung that, it was inappropriate, but now let's move on. Uh, we need to get more positive. It seems anytime there's a positive story, people always look for the negative. Yes, you'll hear people saying, oh, it's always negative on the news. And then when the news comes along with a positive story, they pick out the negative. You just can't win, says Joan on WhatsApp. You're right, Joan, on uh, text or WhatsApp, 086. 6-2-103-103. And earlier, Jim was in touch. Jim basically looking for help regarding milk. He purchased milk. Uh, it was dated the 17th, 17th of October, uh, but the went off two days after he purchased it. And he's asking, uh, is this ha- happening to other people or, or are people noticing when they purchase milk in the shop that two or three days afterwards, uh, the milk is turning sour? Now, a lot of people have come back, Jim, and yes, uh, they are noticing that. Bridie and also to Elizabeth, who says it happens to her. But then I've got an amount of texts and an amount amount of WhatsApps in and all summed up by Nora who says yes I heard this discussion before on your show as I mentioned we discussed this in July and Nora said at this stage I was also in contact with you in August and my answer back then was keep your milk in the fridge and not the door so don't have it in the door of the fridge physically have it in the fridge that will work so Jim uh, I'm not too sure where in the fridge you're keeping your milk, but try not having it on the door of the fridge. And from Nora's suggestion back in, in August and in July, and other people have been on uh, remembering this, saying, I moved my milk from the fridge door to the actual fridge itself. And yes, it does work. So maybe that will help you out, Jim, there on your query regarding uh, milk and it uh, becoming uh, sour only after two or three days from your purchase. And a lot of people congratulating Tony Wilkinson who joined us on the show. This is a Tony who himself was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2015, now with the Cork Parkinson's Association. And along with UCC, they're uh, looking at research into if there is a link between pesticides and uh, Parkinson's because uh, Tony and others have noticed a number of people joining the group are farmers and indeed farmers farmer's sons 
And because of research in France and the Netherlands showing those in wine producing regions and in the flower regions or flower growing regions in the Netherlands uh, all having links or all having uh, been diagnosed with Parkinson's, they're now looking to see if there is a link between pesticides and Parkinson's. The research is still underway and maybe it will just, well, you know, you can't ban pesticides outright. There could be uh, more of an education and wearing protective equipment and that's what they want done with this but a number of people wishing uh, Tony well and wishing him well in what he is doing uh, Donald Imbandon says he is doing great work and I wish him well with all his efforts in helping people with Parkinson's and also the girls in Mallow wishing Tony many years uh, to come of happiness and well done uh, for what he is highlighting because sometimes they do get forgotten in the juice so sometimes stories like this can get forgotten about so uh, well done to Tony uh, himself for coming on he said he was having a bad day but at least you know he, he made the effort he came on and uh, I think what they are doing with UCC a lot of this work is funded by themselves will open up and educate people and you know hopefully we'll have a better future uh, because of it so well done to all involved in the Cork Parkinson's Association uh, also on text this I'm not sure if we can help this person this person is called Mar and she's wondering uh, anywhere in when she's going out to a restaurant she feels that wherever she goes if she asks for dinner they automatically you know get the dinner but there's always mashed potatoes instead of boiled potatoes and she says the mashed potatoes have an amount of salt in them and it's quite sickening now she does love potatoes but not the amount of salt that they give in many restaurants and she's just asking is there any place that people know of where you can just get good old plain boiled potatoes asks Mar uh, on text to 0862103103 um, I've talked to Bernie about this and I suppose one thing Mar is what you could do is when you do go to the restaurant and when you do ask for whatever uh, dinner you are getting just outline that to the waiter or waitress and say look you don't want any uh, mash you don't want salt being put on anything in your dinner explain the reason why if you need to uh, and that you would order boiled potatoes if they have those uh, or maybe they can offer an alternative if not but that you don't want mash that would be I think many people would would say uh, to chat with the, the waiter or waitress beforehand uh, because you know they won't know and they'll have set menus in the restaurant that they just put the mash on so maybe that will help you out there Mar on text and something we discussed this is going back uh, during the summer months as well but this is an update uh, do you remember uh, a man from Roscommon and how a Jack Russell Terrier had uh, was was supposed to be put down this was because uh, the dog nipped a bypasser a person walking past this man's home well uh, the Jack Russell Terrier has been granted last minute reprieve and is spared the death sentence after nipping that passerby uh, thousands of people supported this man not only here in Ireland but right across the world uh, because the dog whose name is Kim uh, his uh, what they say in the papers today his order for destruction was staged by the circuit court and the campaign to save the dog it got the backing of the actor and indeed the animal rights activist Ricky Gervais he got involved in this as well and he posted on his social media about the fight by the 85 year old retired guardian Donald Rogers from Roscommon uh, to prevent his beloved pet dog from being put down the dog was the love of his life that's all he had uh, within his homestead and he didn't want to lose his dog 
because of what happened. Now, the person that was bitten, that person faced a backlash on social media. Uh, but it seems that Kim now, uh, the dog, the Jack Russell, Kim will survive uh, if compensation is to be paid out. So if compensation is paid, um, everything seems to be working that Kim, Kim even will survive the death sentence. So that is the update on this. It will be returning to court in a month. Uh, so I won't be saying too more on that. But at the moment, anyhow, it does look like uh, that it's going to be good news for Kim, the Jack Russell, who will be spared uh, the death sentence following that incident earlier this year. And going back to issues coming into us on this is the holiday homes. And remember earlier on we were saying how those who have holiday homes are also going to receive the 600 euro credit. And people had mixed views on this because they felt that if you have a holiday home, well, you don't need to get uh, the credit of 600 euros. Mary is in Donrell. She says a payment of 200 euros for holiday homes will be the equivalent of two payments. And this will be very unfair. They don't need it. Uh, while Jessica is saying, yes, I don't agree with this. Uh, I know it's going to be hard to target each individual, but surely they can have a system whereby they'll know of the difference between a holiday home and indeed a person's main residence. Well, uh, the government are saying they can't uh, target uh, a reproach on this and that everybody, every home will be just getting the grant. Everybody with an electricity bill receives uh, this €600 grant, which will be paid out from bills in November of uh, €200 in November, January and then March. Uh, But a majority of people feel it is wrong and maybe the money could be better spent and we heard earlier also from uh, the Karen Kiernan of the One Family Group who when they were outlining what families are struggling with uh, they had a proposal and they felt even the, the money that they could save from not giving it to holiday homes could be spent uh, better in other areas supporting families and indeed supporting uh, children who need uh, financial uh, benefit and that cannot get access to certain services because their families are poor uh, thank you for your texts and calls on that to 0862103103 and an update by the way uh, earlier on Dan raising the issue of what was happening in, in Killarney uh, and this was where a number of Ukrainian women and children were going to be forced to move from Kerry to Mayo uh, then earlier this morning we found out uh, just around 11 o'clock that this was not now going to happen but they were still trying to source accommodation well I can tell you in the last uh, 30 minutes or so uh, they have now uh, found a alternative accommodation uh, that has been found in Killarney and the families. Uh, that had originally just been given 48 hours notice to move and was criticised widely uh, across the country and we had a lot of calls and texts this morning on this uh, the Department of Integration has confirmed now that today the families will not be moving to Westport and will remain in Killarney and within the last hour uh, alternative accommodation has been found uh, for those Ukrainian refugees and where they were staying uh, there's asylum seekers from a number of countries going to be placed there and that's why uh, those Ukrainian refugees were being moved but now they have found accommodation for them uh, so that story has seemed to solve itself anyhow your views are welcome 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie 
Two vigils will be held this evening following the tragedy at Krishla in County Donegal. People will gather at Bridge Place in Bandon at 7 o'clock and in Emmet Square in Clonakilty at 8.30pm. Also, a book of condolences will be opened for the evening in Clonakilty. A book of condolences also opened at the lobby at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow and also at Cork City Hall and at County Hall. And Cork Cultural Companions will host a Cultural Companion Social event in Mallow Library that's going ahead this afternoon from 2pm music and poetry from local performers information on cultural companions and a chance to meet other people and become a member a membership is free and without obligation and world snooker champion Ken Doherty will take part in a night of pool at the Wagon Tavern in Formoy that's going ahead on this coming Thursday evening it's to mark the 25th anniversary of his world title and he will have his trophy on display on the night. McCroom Flower and Garden Club will host William Granger of Greenpeace Nurseries on this coming Thursday at 8 o'clock in Coolcower House in McCroom. Plants for sale and club competitions also. You can uh, ring with inquiries to 087-982-1708. And Kildallery Community Development will hold their weekly lotto draw. It takes place in the local community office at 4pm and this week's jackpot is 5,600 euros. And Shambali Moore text alert meeting is going ahead tomorrow, Thursday at 8 pm. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And Billy has been in touch. Billy has a Parkinson's since 2008 and following our chat with Tony Wilkinson's earlier from the Cork Parkinson's Association, Billy's advice for anybody who may be in that situation, what he does is he says, I have to keep active all the time, walking and also on an exercise bike. If I stand or sit down for too long, I would seize up. So I keep active all the time. I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I have good days and I do get the odd bad one. But overall, he is doing well and good to hear that because uh, as Tony was saying sometimes when people are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease like everything uh, when you hear the word of any type of disease you think that's it but uh, from the experience we've heard this morning from so many people uh, like Billy and obviously Tony who we spoke to on air uh, it it can be a different story and there is a lot of help out there as well and support and again we'll be looking forward to the uh, findings of that research from UCC uh, if there is any link between pesticides and indeed uh, Parkinson's and for the lady who was on to us Amara earlier asking is there any restaurants that do boiled potatoes as we said ask the waiter and waitress first but Pat says uh, a restaurant at New Two Pot House they do boiled potatoes if she is took she could go there uh, so thank you for that Pat that should help that lady and uh, this is from Irene and this is something that was it came out about two or three weeks ago and I think it's come to light again because of the attacks from Russia on the uh, the gas streams you know the Nord Stream 1 and 2 uh, the gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea uh, there's been uh, quite a worry about connectivity for the internet and broadband from America to Europe and those lines under the sea uh, across through Irish shores and she's asking is there any protection in place for these lines and for security firms to protect those internet cables well uh, within the last uh, few days uh, talks have been ongoing with this and this was raised in the EU and it seems now from uh, today's Irish Sun uh, that a private firm has been tasked with protecting Ireland under seas 
data cables uh, that carry basically the world's internet communications. A security firm was hired by Airgrid amid fears of an attack by Russia. And the Defence Minister, Simon Coveney, he confirmed this, that Airgrid were using a private company uh, to provide surveillance and monitoring capability of the undersea network and the cables. And this is done via a GPS tracking device. And the issue was raised, as I mentioned, in the EU. It was raised within the EU energy security meeting last week. And the reason was because of what we saw uh, happening to the uh, gas streams in the Baltic Sea. Now, it's understood uh, from an EU level uh, that there was concern raised over Ireland's ability to protect its underwater and offshore infrastructure, including uh, the gas pipelines that are connecting to the UK. Now, the meeting that was held in the last few days, this was between uh, the Department of the Defence and the Department of the Environment, Climate and Communications, uh, which is responsible for the safety and security of those cables and indeed those gas pipelines. And Minister Coveney said that officials and indeed the defence forces have engaged with the Department of the Environment on this and that additional patrols and targeted surveillance offshores off our coast here in Ireland will be included and they'll also be looking at the data of those cables all being examined and they are going to continue to have meetings with Gas Network Ireland and indeed with Airgrid and while Airgrid already are going to have a private company looking after this, they are going to have systems in place uh, that will increase patrols uh, from both the Air Corps and indeed then uh, the Naval Service. Uh, so it seems while well, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago they didn't really see this as a major issue and they said we will be able to you know, monitor this and look after this ourselves. It was raised at an EU meeting and now uh, we can see private companies, uh, the Naval Service and more uh, looking at first of all the internet cables which connect the world and run quite near our coastline here right off Cork and then the gas connections from Ireland into the UK and I suppose vice versa. So yeah, they uh, they are very much aware of this and very much aware that this could be open to attack from Russia and Ireland being a small country, I suppose you can understand the EU's concern that we not, might not be able to look after the infrastructure around us because at the end of the day, you don't think a country like Ireland will come under attack, but we could do so. Anyhow, uh, that is the answer and the latest on that. Irene on a text to 0862103103. And before we go to gardening, not too sure if you saw this, Irish legend Roy Keane, and I think many of us would agree, he believes the All-Ireland hurling final is more exciting than the American football's NFL Super Bowl showpiece, which is, I think, investing about 500 million euros into that showpiece. Uh, he said this, he was on Sky, because he do, uh, does work for Sky, obviously, on their Monday Night Football, and he was saying the hurling showdown is the best sport event on the planet a lot better than the Super Bowl and he's picked out uh, Cork's Jimmy Barry Murphy as one of his favourite sporting heroes he's also mentioned in there Barry McGuigan and Dennis Taylor as a childhood icons but uh, overall I think many of us would you agree why the Super Bowl is a massive experience and it is a showpiece it does go on for a long time as do those games but the uh, game of hurling uh, in any kind of final in any game but I suppose more so in the All-Ireland hurling final it's fast paced it's exciting 
racing and when you only have two or three points at the very end of the game you are on the edge of your seat in particular if it's a game where it involves your county for example if Cork are, are in the final you, you know, you're hanging off the edge if there's only a point or two so uh, would you agree? I'd have to agree with him on that one it, it is more, more definitely more fast paced but I do think more exciting anyhow your views are welcome and also your gardening questions because Peter Doddle will join us next at the irishgardener.com uh, Bernie taking your gardening questions on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations see your local oil company.ie always local Listen and win across October with C103's Free Fuel Friday because every Friday we're giving away 100 euros fuel vouchers across the day. All you've got to do is stay listening to identify the star in the car. If you can't identify that star, then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster for location C or local oil company .ie. Always local only on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And time to join, as usual, on a Wednesday afternoon, our gardener, Peter Doddall, theirishgardener.com. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Great. Join fine weather, even if it's a and I'm going to call it fine weather and hope for the best. Yeah, it is. It's, well, it's supposed to clear up and now it's supposed to rain again later this evening, but the later this afternoon is due to be good, so hopefully that'll be... If you, people want to get out in the garden, you might have some uh, dry spell for a while to get out, but the rain is coming back anyhow later this evening. And a lot of questions in, Peter, as we usually do, uh, and I'll get straight into them. And this is from Elizabeth, and she wants to know, Peter, should she cut back on the growth of her lupins now or let them over the winter? It's an interesting enough question because I was actually been looking at my own lupins uh, over the weekend and they, there's probably a bit more new growth on them than there should be at this time of the year. But I think I'd probably just let nature do its thing. I'd, I'd let them off because by cutting them, you're going to encourage more new growth. And the reason is because it's still so mild. Uh, so they're putting on some new growth. I, I, but as I say, I'd let them die off naturally. The important thing to remember with lupins to get them through everywhere is uh, they, they can tolerate our cold, but they don't like the amount of rain we get. So kind of put them in a well-drained position or even some greater gravel underneath them. But also leave when you're planting them, leave the crown of the plant slightly proud of the soil level. So slightly maybe an inch or so above the soil level so that the water and the rain that is going to come over the winter doesn't collect around the, the, the crown of the plant and rot it. But in terms of, of the growth, I think I'd leave well alone at the moment. Okay, and Maria uh, had a fantastic crop of apples this year. However, Peter, black spots appeared midway through the season. Uh, disgusted she was with this. They ruined her lovely crop of apples. Any help uh, that you can give Maria? Well, the black spot, it's, still the, it's unsightly and all the rest of it, certainly, but uh, they're, they're still edible when they get it. And in fact, somebody called me during the week as well with a similar problem about um uh, scab on their apples and these are all fungal problems and fungal infections and, and really the best course of action with a, a cultural or with a fungal infection is, is cultural control and what that means John Paul is is good pruning and good plant health so what in November really which we're nearly into is the right month for pruning apples November, December 
So what you want to do is you want to encourage good air circulation through your tree. So you don't want masses of branches crossing each other in the centre and things like that. You want good air circulation. Avoid crossing branches. Uh, and when you're pruning it, you're, you're obviously enough going to be removing a lot, hopefully all, of the, the diseased or infected wood that is carrying those fungal spores within. So good pruning and Plant health is very important here. We all became expert at sanitizing everything there over the last couple of years. And it's it's always been important in the garden. So if you're pruning a, an apple tree that has black spot or scab or any of these fungal problems, you must clean the secateurs before you prune something else because you'll only end up spreading it. So that's very, very uh, important. It's, it's plant hygiene. It, it's cultural control, but good pruning. And also, I would say... Uh, not at this time of the year, but let's say in the spring of next year, drench as much of the tree as possible and certainly the root zone around it with the solution of copper sulfate and water, which is it's kind of my old reliable go-to when I have a fungal problem. It's it's uh, it's certified for use in organic gardening, but, but I would use it only once a year, certainly not too often, uh, once a year maximum. And that should give good control on black spots, scab and all those things that affect apples. Okay, Maria, so uh, hopefully that will help you there, that advice. And Peter, I'm not too sure if you can answer this one. Uh, somebody on text saying, ask Peter, when does the grass stop growing? Now, does grass ever <laughs> stop growing, Peter? No, that, 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 that's a question for, for, for Holy God or Mother Nature, if you like. It depends totally on our temperatures. Um, so it's, it's, and Cork in particular, it stays mild during most winters, even though I know the forecast for this winter, they are predicting a cold snap. Um but yeah, it's, it's not a question that you can say on the 1st of December, for example, the grass stops growing and you stop cutting. It's not as simple or as straightforward as that. It's just as the temperatures drop and as the daylight hours lessen, growth slows down. But if the temperatures don't drop far enough, it's not going to stop. So it's a kind of a vague answer to you. I would say normally, normally you would probably stop mowing the lawn for maybe December, January, maybe February as well. Uh, but it, do, it, 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 may, it may not stop at all. There are years where you've got to cut the grass throughout the year. Yeah, interesting there. You mentioned that here in Cork, the temperatures can be milder, uh, be that in the air or in the grounds. Uh, we were speaking earlier to people who were remembering Angela Lansbury, who passed away, of course, you know, the uh-huh. actress from Murder, She Wrote. And many people in East Cork remember meeting her out and about, either in the post office or elsewhere. But she was a big love of gardening. But one of the reasons they came here, they thought they would settle better in Cork because of the climate because it'd be less colder than it would be in Dublin or indeed in Northern Ireland so that's why they came to Cork they felt we were mulder but she was a big love of the garden she was she was very into the garden and uh, I, I I was listening I don't know was it on your show or some show that was it her grandmother came from Belfast and they used yeah. to holiday down in Cork because it was milder uh, and she certainly was 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 um was very comfortable here. I I think I met her when I was a small child, but I don't remember her. She was very friendly with my next door neighbour at the time, who was also gone to heaven, uh, who was an American lady. Um, and I think she she kind of stayed with her when she went looking for a house to 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 settle in Ireland way back in the day. But uh, yeah, she she was well known for being a, a lover of the garden too. Yeah, it's amazing. You said they're your neighbours. We've got people from Kinsale and all over who who knew of her or had somebody who was passed on having connections with her. So yeah, well loved she was in Cork, but also well loved in gardening circles as well. Anyhow, Peter, back to the gardening questions. Joseph is in Mitchellstown. Now he bought red and white heather last week. He put them out in the open and the red heather is starting to die. Now they're in small pots now what does he need or what should he do doesn't it do you know no it doesn't need to be fed but I'd need to see a picture to give you an accurate answer because red heather is very possibly 
you see, you do have, okay, naturally occurring in he- in the world of heathers without going too far into it, uh, John Paul, you have white heather and, and pink heather and various different shades of pink, which some might call red. However, um, what is what is often available in garden centres uh, are spray-painted heathers, basically. They're, he- they're heathers that, that are actually white heathers, but they've had dyes and spray paints put on them to make them these vibrant colours, blues and oranges and, and reds, which aren't naturally occurring at all. So with those plants, I don't hold out much hope for them surviving at all, unfortunately. They're, they're just really for the impulse that they're going to give you for that couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months of, of that colour. Uh, I personally, I much prefer the, the natural colours that, that haven't been used. But if that's the case, uh, they're, they're all largely, I would say 100% of the time, they're all imported from uh, Holland and Belgium and these places. So I wouldn't hold out too much hope in that coming back. But without seeing it, I could be wrong. It, 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 it sounds to me that, this is the type of heather he's bought, but if it's a if it's a natural and an Irish grown and Irish produced heather, uh, a pink flowering form, um, that is is struggling. Uh, it could it could be that it dried out before it came to the the house. It, it it's not going to die overnight or over a couple of weeks just because it needs feeding. It might struggle a bit but it's not going to start dying so it's not a food situation uh, I nearly need to see a photograph of it to be sure to be give accurate advice but I suspect it's one of those artificially coloured ones Alright Joseph and if you do want to send in a photo you can do that via WhatsApp uh, 0862103103 or email Cork today at c103.ie we will send on the photos to Peter Eddie is in Grange now Eddie has grown his own pumpkin for Halloween but he wants to know if he can cut it if he cuts open the pumpkin will it keep until Halloween the 12th of October I'd say it's probably a bit I'm not, you know what I'm, I'm not going to answer this question with any degree of certainty because I'm just not sure I'm afraid but I would say I would say no that's that's 18 days away 19 days away I'd say it's a bit too soon uh, particularly if you put it outside I'd say it would just turn to mush in that period but but even inside I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I know the answer to that question with any degree of okay. certainty but I would say it's too early I would imagine okay. it's too early Wait a bit so Eddie there and Larry is in Glantan he wants to know is this a good time to plant wild flower seeds now for a bee garden or should he wait until the spring well it is a good time I mean traditionally your best months for, for sowing them are March, April or else September, October so you're, I mean, obviously you're slap bang in the middle of October so you should be fine but it does depend you do have to be careful at this time of the year because you know we could get a sudden cold snap I don't I don't see it happening I mean but we, of course we've no idea but uh, so the answer to the question is yes it's a fine time to do it but if we do get an extremely cold period soon after you may have to redo it in the spring and Mary is in Kanturk. She wants to plant bulbs in an old sink. She says, Peter, how do I layer them for a successive flowering? It's very straightforward. And that kind of layering is referred to as what we call a bulb lasagna, John Paul. Uh, so you get flowers from like starting with the earliest, kind of maybe snowdrops or crocus uh, very early in the year. So the way you do it is it's quite simple. If you look at the, the bigger bulbs, so your alliums, let's say, which are kind of like the ornamental onions, they, they could be a good rule of thumb is when you're planting a bulb is to plant it about twice the height of the bulb under the ground. So an allium bulb could be, let's say, two or three inches high. So therefore, you're going to go about six inches under the ground with that. So that's your first layer. Put in the alliums about six or seven inches under the ground. Then your tulips will be the next biggest. So you put them about four inches under the... So you cover the alliums with an inch or two of soil or compost. 
And then you put your tulips, so they're going to be sitting about four inches under the surface and your daffodils, all those kind of things. And you put another inch or two of compost on that. And then you put your smaller bulbs like your your crocus, your muscari, your anemones, all those kind of things. And they only go about an inch, even your bluebells, they only go about an inch under the soil. Uh, and then you, you cover it all with soil. Don't worry if you've put one bulb on top of another, they'll all figure it out, they'll, they'll all manage to come up. Um, and that way you will get the, the ones that you planted last, which are the smallest ones, will flower first, moving on then to your, your daffodils and tulips and finally your allium. So doing it that way, you can actually have colour realistically from January through to June. It's a lovely thing to do. Yeah, well, best of luck, Mary. We kept busy with that. And finally, Peter, two questions here. One is from a person, Michael. He wants to know, can he still plant daffodils? Oh, absolutely, it's, it's yeah. you're you're only coming into the season now for them. It's it's you really want the temperatures to drop and to be quite low before you start planting. I kind of I laugh every year when you see bulbs arriving in the the, the supermarkets and garden centres earlier and earlier each year. It's even as early as August now they arrive there, and it's far too early to plant your bulbs because it's still really summertime then. Yeah. It's really only October and into November and December that you should be planting the bulbs because you want the temperatures to be quite low. Um, before you start planting them. So plenty of time for your daffodils. Really, you're only coming into the time now for it. And finally, this uh, person on WhatsApp, she bought two beautiful hydrangeas only a few months ago. The white ones, the flowers, they are all gone grubby looking, sort of brownish, whereas the blue flowers are still lovely. Now, they are both grown in large pots. So what can she do uh, to get rid of the drab looking white flowers? Does she prune them back or leave them alone? Prune them back. That's just totally. It's totally natural. Uh, provided the foliage is good and green and it's getting enough water, then you're fine. Uh, depending on the variety, uh, the, the, a lot of the white ones will just. They they don't have. I was actually writing about some of the different white ones in last weekend's examiner. If you can, probably it's probably there online about the different white ones and and what they do. So some of them will give you this lovely autumnal hues, a bit like the blues and pinks. But many of the white ones will just go from white to to brown to withered looking if you like I suspect that's what's, what's happening here so yeah just prune them off that, that's all you need to do OK uh, best of luck and uh, Peter thank you for joining us today and we'll chat to you again uh, next Wednesday A pleasure JP Have thanks a good week. Then. take care uh, Peter Dunall there the Irish Gardener if you want more information just go to the irishgardener.com or indeed you'll find him on Facebook or indeed on Instagram at the Irish Gardener mm-hmm. Martin in Formoy he is asking about the age friendly parking spaces in Formoy uh, he is asking why uh, there is cones outside these every Wednesday morning. Well, that's outside the Fermoy Resource Centre. We contacted them and the cones are only there for about 30 minutes, Martian. They are there so the drivers who collect and deliver the meals on wheels on Wednesday mornings can do so. Uh, so it's really helping those uh, who are helping the community who are going out and about uh, delivering the meals on wheels so that is the reason for that I've had a lot more calls and comments in uh, on various issues that we won't get to now but we will carry over and bring them tomorrow morning uh, to you from 10am also maybe you know people who have been hacked on Facebook or Instagram will speak to a person that was hacked uh, she'll join us on the show plus much more uh, tomorrow morning from 10am my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your Wednesday afternoon Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.